But let's go to the phone lines and check in with downtown Lindsey Brown, NHL analyst and radio personality. Lindsey, appreciate you joining us on a Friday night. How are you? I'm doing well. There's no place I'd rather be than with the BetMGM tonight crew, no matter who's sitting in the big chair. Love that. Lindsay, well, as you know, we have the Winter Classic coming up on New Year's Day. How are you feeling about this uh, Penguins-Bruins matchup? Well, it's weird because it's not on New Year's Day, guys. Like, that's where it always is. Like, it's always on New Year's Day. But now this year, it's being played on the 2nd of January, which is really weird to Mm. me. Uh, but the Bruins are playing on New Year's Eve against the Sabres, and then the Penguins are playing the Devils tonight. So that's a little bit of a wrinkle in an otherwise kind of familiar matchup because you have you know two teams that have been staples for most of the millennial-aged fan base. You have Sid the Kid, you have Patrice Bergeron. It's a multi-dimensional field for that millennial generation. You know when two piece hockey sticks were still a thing, and so. These teams are really familiar with this situation. You got outdoor classics, you got winter classics. And so I think it's just going to be a, an all around scenic day, but a day that is usually a day earlier. You know, Lindsay, when you go and play in Boston, you understand the atmosphere that you're expecting and the history that's in that arena. What are you expecting atmosphere wise when you're playing in Fenway? Is there going to be that much more of a home ice advantage for Boston? Or do you think it's more maybe potentially leaning towards uh, Pittsburgh just based on kind of the gimmick of the Winter Classic? Well, you know, I would definitely expect some graphic gestures and language. I mean, that's just going to go with anything in the greater Boston area. But I mean, the Penguins are kind of a lost team right now. And the Bruins, I mean, I'm going to even kind of out myself because I was expecting a down year for them. I didn't really buy into Marshan coming back from his injury early. I thought Bergeron's contract situation. You got a new coach in Jim Montgomery. I was like, you know what? Maybe the Bruins missed the playoffs this year. Maybe they get bumped out. And then what do you know? They respond with being the best team in pretty much every statistical category across the league. They only have four losses. I saw somebody tweet the other day that they have more losses in Ontario than they do in Boston this year. And the Penguins, you know, they just blew a lead a couple nights ago where they led 4 nothing going in the first period, and they end up losing 5-4. to four. Now, you have big-time names like Sid the Kid and, and Evgeny Malkin and Brian Russ. They have a pretty uh, even spread out of the offensive production, but they're so streaky. I mean, they've lost uh, – let's see here in my notes. I got they've lost, They had a seven-game win streak that uh, preceded their last five of six that they've lost, and they've lost three in a row. And so – they're just trying to find their identity. They're a hard-working team. But I, I kind of like the Bruins in this one just because there's a lot of things going in their favor. The narrative makes a lot of sense. And ultimately, I think people want to put on a good show for their crowd, their home crowd. But I'm, that's exactly what the Minnesota Wild wanted to do last year. And then they got their asses kicked. So it's <laughs> all, you know, who knows? What has what separated Boston from the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference? I don't think you were alone in thinking that this could be a down year for the Bruins, what is in the early portions of the season has separated them from everybody else in the pack? Well, what separates teams in the playoffs? It's your it's your special teams, right? Or at least that's what you're going to look to to help you out if that five-on-five sport isn't there. They have a top four power play. They have a top two def- uh, penalty kill. They lead the NHL goals against. They've had an unreal goalie tandem between Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman in the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think there's a better off-ramp to your last franchise goalie. There's being Tuka Rask uh, into Allmark and Swayman other than maybe the Rangers where you went from Henwick Lundquist to Igor Shesterkin. You're like, oh, look at that. It's like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Good for us. <laughs> and so it's the, the Bruins are just a team that seems to be playing with a little bit of unfinished business. We don't know how much longer Bergeron's going to be playing around or at least this core is going to be at that level. And then David Pasternak's 
contract situation is still very up in the air. And so, and I also think some of the adversity that the organization brought into the team's room earlier this season also kind of helps solidify, you know, a, a, a culture there and what everybody's there for and how bought and everybody else. It just seems like they're the most team friendly from person to person across the league. And so I, I favor teams with cultures like that. Lindsay, do you think the Bruins can finally be that team to get through that President's Cup curse? I know, we, we, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the curse in hockey. You're the best team during the regular season, and it just never translates into the postseason. But I'm looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, and, you know, the Devils were so great to start the year, and now they've kind of cooled down. Carolina's really playing well. Toronto and Tampa mm-hmm. are up there as well. It seems like the Bruins, though, have kind of head and shoulders been the best team in the East. So do you think that they can get through the East and make it to the final? I think they certainly have that. And I, I think they have that goal for themselves. I think Carolina is a really interesting team because I think they've underperformed in the playoffs the last couple of seasons. And they've obviously really remade their defensive core, but they have Svechnikov who's kind of flown under the radar. You have uh, the talent, the stable of talent that they have. And I, I'm a huge believer in Rod the Bod Brindamore. And so I just think there's a lot of parity in Eastern Conference, but the Bruins are kind of in that class above everybody else. So you're waiting to see who beats up on each other. I'm not a huge believer in the Devils quite yet. I think they're early, but I, I was, I was a, a big believer in the Rangers last year. And so maybe they're this year's Rangers in terms of like, oh, we're finally realizing our potential and getting some goals for once. That's been the big difference for the Devils this year. Do you like uh, Carolina tonight? They're, they're hosting the Panthers. They're one and a half goal favorites. Do you like the, uh, the, the Hurricanes tonight? Ooh, at home, they're in Carolina. They are in Carolina, yeah. I do, I do like the storm surge. Florida's just weird. They're streaky this year, but they, you know, when you trade away Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto, that's a lot of, you know, middle six and and, and defensive scoring. And so I think they're vulnerable uh, this year. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. And you know, they didn't have a great playoff season to begin with. So you better figure it out by the time the end of the season rolls around. But yeah, I'll, I'd take Carolina tonight. Lindsay, I want to talk to you about some of the teams in the West as well. Colorado, obviously, they, they've struggled a little bit this season. Currently a wild card team. Are you worried about them at all, or are they just the kind of team that they just need to get in and they're going to be as tough and out as anybody in the postseason? Well, I worry about them because, you know, we ha- they have all the talent in the world, but are they healthy and how banged up are they? You know, when these guys play so many playoff seasons long, and, and the, the miles they put on their body in those games and the manner in which those games are played. You know, you had Nishushkin uh, getting rolled out on a, on a, like one of those push carts following the final last year. And, you know, Langeskog's been out. Nathan McKinnon gets banged up because he plays the game like a bulldozer. And so it really is largely dependent on their health. And then goaltending is a huge question as well. Alexander Gorgiev is a great netminder. I think he's incredibly athletic but he's got spider monkey vibes. And so he can kind of explode off his post a little bit too much. And so guys can get pushed out of the crease, kind of like Logan Thompson does in Vegas when he's not tracking the puck as well. And so it's, I still like them a lot because, I mean, they got Kale McCarr, guys. Like, it's just, it's not even fair. And so as long as you have that little belief in them, you have guys down the middle and hopefully they can find somebody to replace Kadri at the trade deadline. I mean, they're as dangerous as anybody else. Lindsay, we're creeping up on, on around the halfway point of the season. When you look at the Western Conference, who do you think the best team is? That's a tough question for me to answer right now, guys. Because <laughs> it just we're at that point of the year where I call it the January abyss, where there's just as much hockey in front of you as 
already has been played. And it's just, it feels like we know stuff about people, but then the minute we think we know stuff about people, they go on losing streaks. Right now, for me, the toughest team that play is the Dallas Stars. And I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of their hockey as of late, but I know this team likes to play low-scoring games, but then they accidentally get in high-scoring games because they have a talent like Jason Robertson on their team. And that kid is unbelievable. If I had to pick somebody to build my NHL franchise around in terms of like under 26 years of age, he is one of my top players because he is just such uh, a motor around the net. He doesn't let up. You'd be surprised how many people get, just kind of ease up a little bit around that net front. And I think he gets a lot of that in terms of the example that Joe Pavelski sets there. Yeah, you have Pete DeBoer, who always has a lot of success in his early seasons as a head coach. I saw it here in Vegas. We saw it in San Jose. And uh, a great netminder, Jake Ottinger, who just happens to be a Minnesota product. And so he uh, that's a really scary team with a lot of playoff experience that can play uh, many different types of hockey games. And I just think maybe there's more firepower in like an Edmonton arena in Vegas. But they don't like playing certain styles of hockey. Dallas is like, we'll play you anytime, anywhere, any style, and we'll beat you. What do you make of your Golden Knights? Because Dallas right now is on top of the Central with 50 points. Vegas on top of the Pacific with 50. Same amount of points. How do you feel the uh, the Golden Knights are playing right now? Uh, mostly brutal. Uh, they are definitely in a lull right now, but that's been mostly a result of, of a lot of injuries on their front. I mean, you take Jack Eichel out of this lineup, guys, and it's just like, I don't really know where these what island of misfit toys we ended up on. But, you know, Mark Stone is coming off of his own surgery, and he can score goals, but you can tell that it's it's a different type of labor as you start getting up there, and you take a lot of shots in front of the net. You had Alex Petrangelo, who's out with, uh, with some family personal reasons, and they haven't gotten as red hot of goaltending as they did early on in the season. And so if you start scoring a goal less and giving up one more, I mean, those results start looking – very, very different. But their second periods are, are are a real cause for concern. But, hey, at least the power play is doing something. That's been their Achilles heel the last, like, three, four seasons. And I really am a huge believer in Bruce Cassidy and his system and, and, and how he runs the team. And so I think they'll figure it out. But they just everybody has those points of the season where you just feel like nothing goes right for you. And that's where the Knights are right now. Lindsay, it felt like one of the bigger stories in the uh, the early stages of the season was Alex Ovechkin chasing 800 goals, chasing to pass Gordie Howe. Now that he's done all of those, he's sitting with 23 goals. Do you think he gets to 40 this season, or do you think he maybe starts to tail off towards the end of the year for the Caps? Well, I, the entire reason for the Caps' existence right now is to get him that record. <laughs> like we, we, Everybody's saying maybe the Caps have one more year. In uh, not if TJ Oshie's in and out of the lineup every two weeks. It's just not going to happen, and I might – Huge fan of Darcy Kemper, mostly because he wears the number 35. But he's not exactly, I'm going to steal you a game type of netminder. Like, he can play in front of a team or behind a team like the Colorado Avalanche, just like anybody else can. and Or he can be under complete duress like he was in Arizona and find a way to be amazing. But that middle ground, that 25, 30 shots per night, it's just kind of, it gets a little wonky for me. And so I think 40 is definitely within the, the realms of possibility for Ovi. I think we all know that as long as he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, that uh, the record is, is going to be something that he will eclipse. It's just more like it's going to happen in two or three. But they're just going to feed him the puck. Like, that's all That's all there is, right? There, that's all there is left to do. And so 
and I, we're having a hell of a time watching it. It's great hockey, great entertainment, and at least it keeps that team relevant while they start their rebuild because it's going to take a while. Yeah, it will. And we've we've been fortunate in this area to be able to watch Ovi all these years. Lindsay, we got about two minutes left before you let you go. I wanted to bring it back to the Winter Classic conversation. My favorite site they ever had it was Lake Tahoe. I just thought that was unreal. It was so picturesque. Is there? Just don't have it at noon, right? You just exactly <laughs> can't have it at noon anymore. Is there any setting that you would love to see the Winter Classic at that you think would would be very cool? Oh, that hasn't happened yet, or or that we can return. Either one, either I mean, one. I'd really like them to do it on like a random lake. Like I want like lake hockey. That, that super that ODR photo that everybody likes to take up in Canada. Like this would be the spot, but. We know that they wouldn't be able to make enough money for it for them to justify that event. But, I mean, I got my gift last year. All we do as Minnesotans is complain because we never get anything nice. And we are like, why don't we have the Winter Classic? We are literally hockey, the state of hockey here. Like, we're the people. And then we go out there and about such a bad effort. I'm like, I don't know if we deserve to have it back. And so uh, that was pr- pretty much the, the dream for me. But, I mean... You can have it in a random part of the desert of Las Vegas. Everybody else is building up uh, cool arenas and stuff. Why not? Let's see what happens. Wayne did it in a parking lot. Let's up him and do it at Red Rock National Recreation Area. Oh, that 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 could be interesting. That could that be could be cool. That could be cool, Lindsay. Great insight <laughs> yeah. from you as always. Appreciate the time. Happy New Year Absolutely. to you and enjoy your weekend. You too, guys. Be well.